Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. At the end of the day, Steve is, is uh, it's rock music. And if it's rock music, you got to be able to like kind of move, you know? Yes. And, I'm, and that is without a doubt the most important thing, especially for me as a drum. The reason I love drums is because when I hear them and I hear a rhythm, it, it does something to you. And with, uh, you know, one of the goals I have, I've always had the bias, is how can I, if I have to play something that's in 13, how can I still make it sound like ACDC? Welcome to another episode of Drum for the Song podcast. I am your host, Dane Campbell, and today's special guest is Jeremy Coulson, who's been playing drums for rock guitar god Steve Vai for over 20 years and has also recently taken on the role behind the kit for ex-Skid Row vocalist Sebastian Bach. Jeremy has some fascinating insights on being a session musician and how playing for the song in an instrumental band is different to a much more common rock band situation containing vocals. He also talks about some of the techniques he's implied over the years, which include using a double butt-ended stick for his snare hand to achieve a fatter, more consistent rim shot. And despite playing in some irregular time signatures with Steve Vai, he always tries to make it sound as straight as possible. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel or wherever you're listening to this, and please leave a five-star review if you can. It really helps new listeners discover the show. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Welcome, everybody, and welcome, Jeremy Colson, for being my guest today. How are you doing today in sunny California? I'm doing good in sunny California. It's cold California, but it's sunny. Well, how, how cold is it for you in relation? Because it's about uh, my, well, minus one Celsius where I am. Okay, you're doing the Celsius thing. Uh, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, I always get confused on that. I don't know, but it's cold. But I'm sure if anybody that's not from California would would be out here, it'd be like, "This isn't that cold." You're complaining just because we're spoiled with the best weather year round. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I, I was. Um, I think it was around this time last year. I was in California with my wife on okay. vacation, and for us, it was pretty warm. Yeah, <laughs> so it was great. But, yeah, but, it's, it's a be- it's a beautiful place. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's. I don't know. California's changed a lot in the last uh, ten years, but it, it's again the climate and the uh, the water and the mountains and everything. It's it's a great place to great place to to. I'm grateful that I grew up in California and, and I'm from here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, which part of, are you from? Out of interest. So. Uh, I was born in uh, Northern California, the Bay Area. So like oh, yeah. uh, where, you know, all the thrash bands originated from. So I, I uh, grew up in a town called uh, Belvedere in a place Marin County. So right when you go over the Golden Gate Bridge, that's Marin County. And uh, yeah, I grew up there. Uh, that's where I learned how to play and, and uh, did everything. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I, I imagine then that that musical community must have had an influence on you as a as a young musician. Sure. Well, I think 
I, I think uh, I was very lucky to grow up, particularly uh, pre-internet um, times, like before growing up in a, in a place like California, because, you know, even in Northern California, there's this, you know, the arts is uh, looked at a particular way. And there's a lot more um, opportunities, especially, you know, back in the day when there were, when there were more, you know, when there were labels and when there were, it was a different kind of scene, but there was more opportunity. And that's why everybody would either move to LA, uh, Nashville or New York, depending on, you know, what their thing was. Um, so I'm really grateful. And when I, when I growing up in, in Northern California, um, I lived near uh, a guy who owned a record label uh, called Shrapnel Records, a guy named Mike Barney. And you know, by meeting him, that was my, that's how I met. That's how I started working with Michael Shanker and Marty Friedman and all that stuff. It's, you know, you meet the right people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, there was no YouTube then, so I couldn't make a YouTube no. <laughs> video. Yeah, you just got to meet people and, uh, I guess, learn about auditions and show up and hope yeah, for the best. Yeah, and, and I was, yeah, and, you know, I was playing in high school. I was playing in clubs, you know, with, with older guys, with older musicians and, and, uh, I was dragging my drums everywhere and I played in the school jazz band and the symphonic band. I mean, I was, you know, everything like that was, uh, because that's when I read about my heroes, that's what they did, you know, lugging right. their drums around, doing all those things. And I always liked the idea of being a working drummer. Uh, I just really respected that. So yeah, cool. That's awesome, man. So what, what kind of age were you when you started playing? When did you get your first kit? Uh, I was about, let's, well, the first, I started, I was in fifth grade and my brother and I both were going to start uh, instruments and I got a snare drum because I was just going to, for the, the school band thing, like this marching yeah. snare drum. The minute I got the snare drum, I took it home and I remember playing, I, seriously, like just not even ever played a drum at all. Just, I started playing a song on the snare drum you know, some heavy metal song because, you know, Ozzy Osbourne was my childhood hero at the time. So like, <laughs> you know, I was just, I was immersed in heavy metal. So, uh, drums were great. And, and it, it, another thing, like it was just, it was real, real natural. I got it. And then I, within a month I had a drum kit and, uh, it just came, you know, came, it came easy. So that that's, but it wasn't until, uh, and I always tell this, you know, when I talk about my, how I got into drums is then I was 15 and then I, I really got into rush and then it was like, okay, big drums, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, and then at 15 at that time, rush wasn't, you know, rush wasn't rush is kind of looked at now as a more of a, they're respected a lot more now, but back in the day you were kind of, it was like, Oh, that's progressive. Like that's kind of dorky music. That's not cool or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I liked it because it was challenging and it made me like, I had to think about the parts and I had to learn how to execute them. And, and there was something about that that intrigued me. And, yeah. And I, I imagine that really prepared you for, you know, the current role that you do in the Steve Vai band, because that's very, I guess, intricate parts, different time signatures. Um, yeah. Obviously just pr mainly instrumental music. I know there are yeah. some songs with, with vocals and stuff. So yeah, I imagine, um, yeah, that would have put you in good stead for that. And I like from what I've read and seen, you're also into some of like the punk rock vibe. Yeah, um, man. And you know, I think that's that's kind of the other thing is um, I always try to explain 
for me, the drummers that I, I really like um, are not necessarily the drummers that are technically the most proficient or the best, uh, but it's the ones that that, uh, that that play from here. And like, hey, when I saw you play, you play like that, you know? And and punk yeah. rock has that, that there, punk rock has that uh, aesthetic where there's there's this um, emotional uh, rebellious aspect to it, and it's less about were the parts perfect, or you know was the the message, you know, or the attitude put out. And so the ir- the irony of when I joined Steve Vai's band, I was 25 and I was really into punk at the time, and that, that's all I was doing. I was playing. I loved all the real. Just real fast, like throughout the whole thing, and uh, I didn't, you know. And then Steve called me. I didn't even want to do the audition. I didn't think I would get it. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. So then, when I got the gig, uh, my attitude was like, I want to be like a punk drummer playing like progressive music because that's unique. You know, I'm not gonna. I I can't compete with Mike Mangini. I can't compete with Virgil Vanotti. Like those dudes do stuff. Like I'm not gonna try to compete with that. I'm going to, what's me? Me is like hitting hard, being kind of like just crazy and having like this, this kind of punk rock attitude towards a genre of music that wouldn't normally kind of hear that. Yeah. It's, I, thought it's, that was, I thought that was cool. Yeah. It's normally people are, who are into that kind of music are generally not into punk rock as well. It's normally yeah. you're either one side of the, the kind of rock spectrum or, or the other. Um, yeah. But yeah, there are, there are people that appreciate all of it. Like I would say I'm definitely one of those people. Um, like my, my dad brought us up listening to Steve Vai and Satriani and stuff. Yeah. Like I was in school, all my friends were listening to the Spice Girls and I was listening to instrumental guitar music and, and yeah. obviously like Motorhead and stuff like that. And, um, but like, I, yeah. I really, I really loved it. Um, and like, and yes, it's, 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 it's show, you know, show off music to some degree. Cause it's the main guy demonstrating his songwriting and technical abilities, but you can really yeah. feel the emotion in a, in a lot of it. And I think a lot of that gets missed. And there's a reason yeah. why he's playing those notes and why that chords there. And it, it means a lot. And I, I really, really like that. And, and sometimes I just don't like singers. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I tell you, Dan, it's, it's crazy, man, because, you know, I think about it, man, I've spent more of my life playing music with no singing yeah. than I have with singers. I mean, I, I played with, you know, in, uh, I played with Billy Idol for two years. I, you know, I, I play with Sebastian Bach when I don't do this, yeah. tours and, uh, and the mindset of, of being a drummer playing when you play instrumental music and then when you play with a vocalist are very different. I and I really that. noticed that, um, especially particularly the you know last year when I was on the I was on the road with Sebastian Bach. We were on the road for three months. We were one of the first bands to really come back after uh, COVID and all that stuff. Yeah, and we did the uh, Slave to the Grind anniversary tour, and um, it was hard, man. It was like you know people were a lot of people still weren't coming out, and a lot of people were still wearing masks and it was weird and everything like that. But as far as drumming goes. When you're playing with a singer, um, when I'm playing, I'm, 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 I'll hear things differently. A lot of times, you know, if, a, if Steve's playing a particular melody, he's going to rhythmically play that the same way because he wrote it that melody. Singers, as you know, 
can kind of, you know, do the Vince Neil thing. (laughs) 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 Or they they rush, you know, they're just kind of like, you have to understand how to um, hold the band into place and also keep the singer in there, but not hold the band into place like you're playing with, with a click track and it just sounds like it's, you know, like it's not moving with the singer. That's that's the part of the musicality that you you can only get by playing with other musicians. You can't get this yeah. by going in your in your room and, and making YouTube videos. You have to like that's the and the thing that I always try to express to the younger generation is you gotta get out and play with other people. And maybe you don't maybe they don't want to. Maybe they're fine making YouTube videos. But it you know when you get on stage with other musicians and, and you perform it's it's not about your performance anymore it's about uh cohesive how you interact as a team and 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 i think um nowadays it's easy to kind of get into like look what i can do uh as opposed to how does the whole band as a unit sound yeah Uh, absolutely and i'm i'm totally for that this podcast is called drum for the song so you it's basically you know, it's interacting with the other musicians you're playing with, whether that's on record or whether you're in a room with them. It's Whatever. Not, it's not all about the drums. <laughs> no matter what band you're in, I guess. Like even yeah. even when you do get, obviously the the some of the drumming in some of the Steve Vai stuff that you've played on and play live, it can get busy. But there's lots of tracks mm-hmm. where you're just rocking out and like yeah, there's, there's a song that um, I was watching a live video this afternoon. And it was like an intro to a gig, and it's just you hitting hell over crash cymbal, simple beat on a kick and snare. And I was like, that sounds yeah. so amazing. While Steve does oh, his thing. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Well, again, here's the other thing that I, I think that uh, was a helpful thing. One of the reasons why I got uh, the gig with, with By 20 years ago now um, is that, again, you know, we talk about instrumental music and we talk about. Uh, solo music and we're, we're, we're and, uh, musician is kind of showcasing um, their talent or whatever. That doesn't mean that everybody in the band should be showcasing their talent at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and so, because then it just starts to sound almost fusiony and it just it starts to get real kind of like abstract. Like every, where's the one, you know, and I, some people like that, but at the end of the day, Steve is, is uh, it's rock music. And if it's rock music, you got to be able to like kind of move, you know. Yes. And I'm, and that is without a doubt the most important thing, especially for me as a drum. The reason I love drums is because when I hear them and I hear a rhythm, it, it does something to you. And with, uh, you know, one of the goals I have, I've always had with bias, is how can I, if I have to play something that's in thirteen, how can I still make it sound like ACDC? That's my goal because, you know, it's very easy to hear people play odd meter for the sake of it being odd meter. Hey, dude, this is an 11. Check it out. Check how crazy this is. You can't do this, but watch me do it. <laughs> but when you can do something, like when you listen to a band like Soundgarden, you see them, you know, using fives and sevens and stuff like that, but you're not thinking about that. You're just, oh, no. that's an odd meter. I didn't even think about that because it's just – or uh, take a band. One of my favorite metal bands is Mashuga. I love them. And um, a lot of times the guitar player is playing, you know, uh, rhythms that might not be in four, but a lot of the times Thomas is playing in four 
to at least where the snare drum is on two and four, where you can go like this. And that is one of the reasons why they're successful. You know, yes. it's not like you don't turn it on and go like, where, I don't even know where to begin. Where's the one? You can go, wait a minute, wait a minute. And that's rhythm. And I just, I love it. Yeah. You get enthusiastic about it. You've got to give, give it a pulse. So people who are not musicians, for example, when, when you played Hellfest, we both played Hellfest, and I mm -hmm. watched you, you know, I'm sure a lot of those guys in the audience and girls play instruments, but a lot of them don't. So you need to give them something to follow and to rock out yeah. with. And, and like the fact that like Vi was playing that lineup was incredible to me, but it was perfect yeah. and it, it was great. It went down amazing. And, um, and I, I had to witness it. And um, <laughs> it just reminds me of a funny story. I was watching you guys side stage with, with Mickey D standing yeah, yeah. Ne next, next I to saw, me. Yeah. yeah and, um, you're probably like three quarters of the way into your set. I was really digging it. You know, I took some photos and stuff. And then I can't remember which song, but it was before, I guess, I think it was before you played like Tender Surrender and some of the ones okay. I, like, I remember from my childhood. Sure. And he was like, and Mickey was like, do you want to come and look at my kit? And I was like, I was like, I really didn't want to say yes, but I was like, I have to say yes because... Because it's Mickey D. Yeah, because it's Mickey D and he's offering to show me his drum kit now. Yeah. I'm not going to have this chance again. So I was like, oh. I was, so I, I kind of missed the end of the set and I was devastated because That's I was okay. like, it, it, one of the only band, <laughs> you know, it was one of the only bands that afternoon that like, I was like, right, definitely going to go watch Vi. But um, yeah. what I did see was was amazing and, and it was cool that we got to kind of br briefly chat before and after. But, yeah, um, man, well I'm, I saw you at night because I was watching. Because when we got there, we went up. I remember going up to the where the, the catering thing was and seeing you guys play. And I was just just loved watching your, your kit. Sounded great. Your groove was awesome, and you just played the right thing. It's just you yeah, know, simple. it's that uh, play on a four piece, four or five piece kit. The basics. I I love that. I miss I miss doing. There's times where I I really long to to do that. You know, I I enjoy this device stuff too where i can kind of have you know different types of drums and intricate things and but there's nothing quite like the uh that kind of rock punk rock kind of thing of like just there's the kit no backing track nothing you just go yeah. up and it's like a rock band it, it you don't see that as much anymore you see it, it there's no, that absolutely. organic uh feeling about that it's just i, I love that that's what I yeah. loved about the way you played and your, you know, with you guys, it was awesome. Uh, thank you very much. And um, I appreciate that. And it, it was, it was a pretty scary gig, but we loved every moment of it. And awesome. it, it, that's a pretty big show for us, you know? So, um, yeah. but yeah, we, I guess we're one of the few, I guess, rock and roll bands out there that like, we don't have a click or anything live. Yeah. Um, I'm like, that's the way we like it. That's the way my, my kind of my dad likes it. Sometimes it's, I feel We'd be more consistent with a click, but I don't know if it'd be the same vibe. Yeah, but you know, I, it's it's really weird, man, because um, it's kind of across the board now with the way drummers use that. Because I, you know, I use a lot of times the reason I use a click live is because we have uh, sometimes we have a screen in the background, and we have samples that have to follow the screen. Yeah, um, and also like 
So because of you know Steve I and he, he has very intricate guitar parts, very crazy guitar parts. If they're two BPMs faster, it's yeah. gonna be like, wait a minute, I, I don't physically know. Like he makes you know, his stuff is very challenging. So uh it's the style of music that uh that it, it that flows with a with a click track or with, with backing tracks, it, it kind of can suit that. But there's other styles of music. I don't know. Like the Sebastian Bach, I, I try to use it as little as I can because I like I like the push and pull and I like bands that push and pull. You yeah. know, it, it, I really like that. If it's always just, you can tell it's on a click, then I don't know. Mm. It just depends, I guess, sometimes stylistically what the music is too. Yeah, I think there definitely is a place for both both methods yeah. um you know there's no right or wrong in drumming and, and in music so it's whatever you vibe with and whatever the listeners like and hopefully you find something that works for the majority you can't please everybody <laughs> yeah exactly absolutely but uh, yeah it's interesting to know i was going to ask you this is a bit of a controversial question okay because you you've mainly played instrumental music if you could like say if you had to make a deal with the devil that you could only play instrumental music for the rest of your life or only play vocal music for the rest of your life? Which, which one would you pick? Man. Um, that's a tough question. Like if, it, if money wasn't a thing, if money wasn't, a, you know, if my, obviously certain gigs might pay more than others, I don't know. But like, if money wasn't a thing and just for, just for your own brain <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe instrumental music it was just if, it, if money wasn't a thing it was my own brain i mean i'm sure you know the, the there's so many limits with ins, what you know what instrumental music can be you yeah, know i mean um but uh yeah i i I'd probably i'd probably go with that at this point in my life cool you're very good at it so <laughs> oh, well, thank, good you. thank you thank <laughs> you yeah, and um, I was I was going to ask with like with regards to the the songwriting with with Vi, obviously you yeah. played on quite a quite a, well lots of albums at, by mm-hmm. this point. With with regards to the writing and with regards to the drum parts, how much yeah. influence does he have on what you end up playing on the final recordings? Well, a lot of times um, it, it it can vary. Uh, like some of the stuff he would send me and he would program it on a drum machine right? and he would have particular parts that he wanted played like they were on the drum machine. And then other parts that, um, you know, if something, if something doesn't feel natural, it doesn't, and it feels like a drum machine, like a kind of, you know how people that aren't drummers can write parts and it's yeah. like, well, I, I see what you're doing, but it, it doesn't, it's not going to sound natural for a drummer to do. He's going to be the first one that goes, okay, make it feel natural. Cool. You know, but there's some stuff I'll be like, nope, you got to play it like that. Figure it <laughs> out. You know, like I got time and you're in the studio and you're like, like for instance, the last, um, the last album, the newest record we recorded, we finally recorded the drums somewhere else besides Steve's studio. We went to uh, Dave Grohl's place at 606. Ah. I've been there. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I'm not, and, not recorded uh, there, but yeah. Cool yeah. Place. So we had just, <laughs> we had recorded there and, uh, I remember we went in and 
we were tracking, there's a song called Do Some Chains, and there's this crazy like drum uh, fill part that I was trying to figure out. And we're in there and like skis, you know, came out of the control room and he's in the boat. No, 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 right here. No, 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 no. One he in it. He's trying to explain this like mathematically, like all this stuff. And all of a sudden, Dave Grohl just walks in, smoking a cigarette. Hey, man, what's going on? I'm just sitting here like, Steve, and Dave, hey, what's going on, Dave? I'm sitting here going, I can't figure out this freaking part. See, the little upper's like, oh, hey, Dave. And then Dave, hey, nice to meet you. Okay, see you later. Okay, figure out this part. And back to like, you know, so you <laughs> you have to, uh, that's the other thing, like, when, when other musicians or who you're working with tells you that they want to part a particular way, you know, it's it's how you respond to being able to, you know, make them happy with figuring that part out, um, and also just being calm under under pressure. You know, because that's that's what being a hired musician is all about. You got people hire you because they need. You're not you know you're not a band member. You're a hired a hired gun, meaning that you have the tools to come in to when someone needs a drummer and. Uh, take care of whatever they need to get taken care of. I mean, that's yeah. at the end of the day, even though I've been in Steve's band for 20 years and he's one of my best friends and I, I love him and everything like that. At the end of the day, it's Steve Vai and I'm a hired gun, just like I was with Sebastian, with Billy Idol, with Marty Friedman, with Michael Shanker. Um, and I, I've never minded that, you know? I mean, I admire guys that are in bands and I, I like that idea of, you know, people getting into bands and being like, yeah, we're going to make it. But um, I'm always kind of been a loner anyway. So I like the fact that I can, I don't have to like be in a band. I can, I can do different things because I get, uh, I get bored kind of easily. I like to, I like to push myself in different styles and in different ways of playing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I guess, do you ever feel a negative side of that from a scheduling point of view? Like how how sure. how much in advance do you get like Steve Vai's tour dates and stuff? Mm-hmm. Do you have, like do you have to turn well, down other things and stuff? Jane, as you as you know as well as I do, the music business is not a exactly a reliable um, <laughs> business. No, and uh, <laughs> so scheduling uh, is yeah, it, it's it sucks sometimes because um, tours get planned, then they get canceled, then they get postponed. Um, things happen. And, you know, I always, that thing, it's like until I'm on the bus, you know, or on the, you have my plane ticket in the, in the plane. It's like, I, I never want to get my hopes up because I've, you know, this last, this last Steve I tour, I mean, it was, uh, it was, you know, it was postponed. You know, it was supposed to happen at one point, and then COVID happened. And I think that that um, as far as scheduling goes, that that changed the game for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. In a in a big way, and um, yeah, I've been in, definitely been in situations where I've had to uh, schedule things, and then you know sometimes everybody's copacetic and they understand, but then again sometimes you know can't please everybody and, and you take one thing and don't do this thing and i don't know what's it's not always black and white yeah and it, there's always the danger then i guess if you if you have to turn down something that is perhaps one of your more regular gigs someone else 
yeah. goes in and, and and they like that guy and or maybe he's a bit of then you can go in your head and then you can see yeah. exactly you can you can you can you can envision your entire career before it even happens in your head by saying, Well, if I don't do this, this guy's gonna get the yeah. gig and they'll like him more, and then he'll take it, and I won't have the gig, and I won't have any and like I know that's frustrating too, and, and I it, it, that's why I'm saying it. there's no clear cut there's no clear cut way of of how you do it. I guess it's it's some people will take a gig because it pays better. Another gig, other people take a gig because they like dealing with the people. You yeah. know, for me, from what I know about being on the road for the the, the years that I've been doing it, uh, is that the people that you tour with. Getting along is, you as you know, yes, super important. You know because you know we, we go on stage what you know an hour and forty five minutes, but then all the rest of the day we're around each other. You know, and and it, you know, no matter how much money I think somebody gets paid, I think it's uh, you have to you have to be able to get along with people, and you know the Vi crew is like a family and. All the bands that I toured with, the Smashbox, everybody's—we're all friends, you know. We're, we're all cool, and the least, the less drama, the better. Yeah, I would agree with that. On in yeah. any touring situation, you do—you don't want drama. Um, you know, it happens sometimes. You know, the lack of sleep and, and things like that can escalate things a little bit. And dude, all <laughs> of that—you know, all of that—it's yeah. just. Like when we were the tour we did when I when you and I met when we were in Europe that tour I, and what's you know what's funny Dan is that like I always tell people like some people say like that sounds like it was the worst tour ever because we went through about four buses that were breaking down we lost our air conditioning we all of this stuff happened but I, I had so much fun. Did, didn't because, you get a train or something? Didn't you jump on yeah, a train to get yeah. a gig? Or we had like one gig. We had when we did the Boss Pop Festival. Uh, the night before we played, and the bus just broke, and we had to go to Boss Pop Festival. That was a that was the festival that Sting played. Yeah, we were playing. Yeah, wow. And um, you know, we didn't even find out about this until after the show. I was like, okay, so no hotel, to, no no bus tonight. We're going to get in the train and get there in the morning go straight to the to the gig and then play and you know and you know dan you know how this that's that's how that's how it is and, and yeah at the time it you know it's frustrating because you want to be able to know that when you play that you're well rested and that you can give everything you have but it doesn't always go like that and, and sometimes I've, i found my I've, I've found myself surprised at how uh well i can do with whatever conditions are thrown at me. And I think that's good for people to, to have that, you know, to have all the elements thrown at you uh, to see how you can still go and, and you still go on stage every night and you perform the same way or you, you give, you know, what's needed of you. Yeah. The, the adrenaline will eventually kick in no matter how yeah. tired you, you're feeling that afternoon or that morning or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But, but uh, yeah, it, it does make you, it does make you kind of worry about your performance sometimes, and especially in the high energy gigs that I guess you especially have. Like mine, mine is fairly high energy. I, I'd like to say. Yeah, and sometimes when we got it, sometimes we've done some of these festival runs in in the in Europe, and 
but you might have to take three flights before getting to a festival and then play in that evening. And like, yeah, you, you just see all these obstacles in front of you yeah. and you think, how am I going to have the energy to play? But you do it and it, it works out. But okay. you do it. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like being on tour when you're, you know, you get the flu and you're sick and you're, you're on just everything you have to play. And, uh, somehow you just, it, you get it. And I think that's what's, cause the adrenaline, you know, too, I think yeah. kicks in and it's also, you know, uh, this is performing musicians is what we get to do is what we're, we're very lucky because anybody that gets an opportunity to play in front of lots of people like we have, uh, mm and have people respond to that and to feel like all that work that we've done is being uh, looked at and, and applauded for. When you ha you do enough of that, it's hard to, to do anything else. So you will, you will do whatever you have to do to continue to be able to perform and to be able to do those things because, um, because you love it. That's mate. That's mainly it, really. You know, I mean, we could we could be working it. We could be working it at Target, or you know, I mean, it's yeah. like this is this is the, the thing, and it's it's really tough. It's a hard business. It's a hard way to make a living. It's there's a lot of obstacles, and there's a lot of you know negative things, but there's also a lot of positive things, and there's a lot of great things, and um, yeah, I think I think that particularly, I really think that after this this post pandemic thing, I think musicians, there's a lot of musicians that are a lot more grateful now than they used to be. I think, I think so demand, well. I think before the pandemic demands on touring by bands would be a lot different than they are now, because I can tell you right now, tour, trying to tour Europe right now, with band, like touring anywhere, just because you can play now, you know, those, those years of nobody driving buses, you know, nobody making symbols nobody all these things now they're trying to catch up yeah. and uh it's not you know it's taking time remember when we were at hellfest you remember how many bands were, were touring europe it was at insane. that time yeah it was like everybody was like okay it's open up let them all go so everybody was out and because it was like three years worth of of tours put together at the Dude, same I time know, that's what that's why festivals are going to be for a while now. I think festivals are the new, that's kind of the, one of the new things, man, because there's so many bands and there's not enough for those bands to go by themselves. Yeah. I think, well, I think, I think, um, a well, definitely from a personal perspective, when we've been playing our headline club tours, definitely ticket sales are still kind of on the downers since yeah. pre COVID levels. And, you know, yeah. maybe next year, maybe this year might get a little bit better. But then there's, there's the cost of living, which in the UK, at, the UK at the moment is insane. Like I, I say, yeah. it's winter. It's, it's the, the cost of energy and gas to heat your home up is insane. It's like, like f for example, it's just me and my wife live in this house. And on average, we're spending like 15 pounds. So that's was it, maybe $25 maybe a day. Just, just for like hot water and 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 heating. Wow. I'm not even turning it up much. I'm not turning it up high. I'm just kind That's of crazy. making it bearable. It's crazy, and and everyone's going through this right now. Everyone's bills going up, and and yeah. you know the first thing that people are going to sacrifice is concerts and luxuries and things like that. Um, I know. Unfortunately, so I hope they do something about it to improve know, the situation. Man. 
Um, Dane, I, I, dude, I, I, I know what you're saying because yeah. we're we're going back to Europe in two months. Yeah, I was going to say I was going to plug and, that and, for uh, you. Yeah, I mean it, it. Yeah, I mean it's it's great, but it's it's yeah, it's hard. It's it's it, touring post again. It's kind of like um, almost look at it the way nine eleven was. Nine eleven was before nine eleven. Traveling was a certain way. Yeah. Before COVID, touring was a certain way. And I don't think it's ever going to go... It, flying is never going to be like it was before 9-11. I don't think touring is ever going to quite go... I, I just think that... Um, it It's going to take some time before... Before, thing, you know, before it's easy for bands to get... I mean, like not like it ever was that easy for any band to just get out and play, but it... No, it's it's hard. It's it's definitely one one of the things. And when the first, when COVID hit, the thing that got hit the worst, the profession that got hurt, hit the worst, was being a, a performing musician. Yeah, absolutely. The worst man. thing. Yeah. Did you, what what did you get up to during those years briefly? Then, man, I got I was immersed in teaching. Because oh, okay. I, I tell you, then what happened to me was about a year before that. I had started to teach because you know, for a while I was, I was playing a lot and I, I got burnt out on drums for a while and music. And I, you know, I was really, I dedicated my, you know, my time to mountain biking and, and, uh, doing yoga and, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm very into exercising and all that stuff. Um, but at one point I said, I, I want to start, I want to start teaching. You know, I want to teach. I like, I like working with kids. You know, that's something that I'm, I'm always been good with. And, and so I started doing that and uh, I just became immersed in working with uh, uh, teaching drums, you know, it's like younger kids that are just kind of getting into it. I work with a couple of different music schools out here. Um, and then when the pandemic happened, I was in my home uh, doing Zoom lessons uh, oh, right. yeah, yeah. the whole time. And it was it's challenging doing the Zoom thing very challenging um but you know what it was i loved it because it was like those years of the lockdown i had i lived next to my drums and i taught and i was able to you know because when you teach you also you learn things yourself because if somebody wants to know how you do something you can't as you know when you explain something it's you have to know how to explain it Instead of, you just hold it like this. See how I'm doing it? Just do that. So I had to learn how to uh, articulate and explain to my students, especially, you know, the younger kids. And I work with kids that are autistic and on the spectrum and stuff. So everybody's got a different way of learning. But I love, you know, working with this because I was very much similar to that growing up. I was had a lot of energy and I didn't know how to focus. And, you know, um, sometimes you just need to find somebody that can help you focus on something and for some people, something like drumming is, is this repetitive thing, and it's it's very helpful. Absolutely. But um, yeah, you know, teaching made me reanalyze how I was holding sticks, and it made me completely redo my technique. Amazing. Like in many ways. And now, not have drumsticks on me. I'm walking around, dude, like constantly with drumsticks because because i i I was you know with so many years of playing especially like with vibe you know the amount of years we toured 
And when we tour, we do, we'll do six, seven shows in a row, hour and a half sound check, two and a half hours set. Wow. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's how he does it. So you're constantly on your instrument constantly. Oh, and rehearsals, forget it, man. When we rehearsals, there was a tour we did in the, the DVD that came out called where the wild things are. And it's when we had the two violin players and we had this, you know, this big tour and everything. That was a, that was a month of touring six days a week, 13 hour days wow. to prepare for that, you know? Wow. And, and that's just, that's how he works, you know? Cause he, you know, a guy played with Frank Zappa, you know, yeah. he's there a perfectionist. Is, yeah. So you, I, you know, I've been blessed and, and, and I, you know, I feel so grateful that I've spent since I was 25, I've got to be working with somebody that is so musically inclined and gifted, not just on the guitar, but just composing and, and melody and dynamics and having someone like that is not just a, as a, your band leader, but like as your teacher, you yeah, know, and I, because I, of that, you know, I've learned so much about, uh, yeah, dynamics and, and, and all of that stuff. It just, it, so I'm at this point now where within the last few years with the teaching that I've done, the pandemic, everything like that, I've, I've re, really re-looked at how I was playing and I had to say to myself, and also, you know, I'm going to be 45 in a couple of months. And drumming is not as easy on my body as it was when no. I was in my 20s and 30s. I mean, no, it's, no. it's tough. And, you know, for people like us, where we, you know, we, we hit hard and we play with a lot of energy. It's a physical thing. Absolutely. So I'm always trying to find ways to um, enable me to play. You know, like you watch people like Tommy Aldridge, you know, a guy's 72 years old. He's, he's still killing it you know like how yeah. do, what, what do what do those guys do um sometimes it's genetics sometimes it's the, the, the exercise routine sometimes it's what you practice but i guess the, the name of the game is uh how do you you know you keep you sustain that so you can keep doing it because you don't want to you know who i talked to about this was um one of my favorite drummers is this guy morgan rose from the band seven dust okay and um he's one of those guys that he's he was one of the biggest influences on me because he was the first guy that I saw that just was like, he looked like a mental patient playing the drums. Like he was just out of control and it wasn't proper quote unquote, mm. but it had more heart and soul than anything I'd ever seen. I was yeah. like, Oh my God, I was blown away. Um, you know, and he's, he's in his fifties now. And, and, you know, we always talk about this. He'd, he'd rather hang it up early than to be a guy that's phoning it in. You know, when you go to see a, a guy that's playing, it's just like, man, it's just like, it doesn't even care anymore. It's just like, puts no effort into it. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's the, that's the things, those are the things that I notice about getting older and playing. Things hurt. <laughs> Apologies for interrupting this episode of Drum for the Song. I really hope you're enjoying it so far. I just wanted to take a few moments to tell you about my Patreon page. This is a place where you can support the podcast in exchange for some bonus content. 
you can head over to patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. There are three tiers available at the moment. One is £3 a month, one is £5 a month, and the other one is £10 a month. Each tier grants you access to exclusive benefits, which include bonus episodes, early access to the main episodes, private Facebook group membership, merch discounts, discount on Motorhead Beer, as well as a monthly competition to win Motorhead Beer, access to Skype chats with me, asking my guests questions, occasional free gifts, like drumsticks, free tickets to Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons shows, and your name in the episode description. If you regularly enjoy the podcast and think you would enjoy those benefits too, please consider signing up. If you didn't already know, I do everything for this podcast all by myself. So I do all the contacting, all the research, all the interviews, all the audio editing, all the video editing, all the artwork, all the uploading, I write all the descriptions, I build the website, everything is just me. So essentially the money from the subscriptions helps me keep a bit of time free during my weeks so I can continue making the podcast for you guys. So again, that's patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. Check it out and enjoy the rest of the episode. Drum for the song podcast. So what, yeah. what is your kind of warm up routine then? to try and combat that if you have one. Oh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple things like, uh, so on the, on the road, if I can sleep as much as possible, I, I try to take advantage of the sleep thing. Cause you know how that is. It's like, you yeah. just take advantage of, of advantage of it when you can. And then a lot of times I like to go for a run. I'll go for a jog in the day. Um, and then we'll sound check. And then we'll play the show. And that all happens pretty – I mean, it, on a day, like, for me, like, if we – if our show time is at – a lot of times our show time would be 8 o'clock. So if I woke up at 2, I'd wake up, i have my coffee, uh, go for a run from 3 to 4.30. 5 to 6.30 is sound check. Wow. And then 8 o'clock doors. So that's the routine. You know what I mean? So it, it's, it's very simple, but, uh, that, that's kind of the routine that I would do. And as far as like, you know, what I, and part of the great thing about that sound check, the fact that we do have a sound check every day is there's my warm up Cause I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing songs like an hour before we start the show. So in that sense, I'm kind of, I'm warmed up. And then I have, um, different things that I do. I, I, I have the weighted sticks. Last tour, I, t- I found two rocks and I duct taped them to my drumsticks oh, to wow. just beforehand to just just practice, you know, uh, like the kind of the baseball bat. You know, when people put a donor on the, on the bat to warm up, same concept. Ah, I never thought about that. I've heard of like ankle yeah. weights people use on their ankles for like I've done that too. Players. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's. For me, I just started doing it because it was, um, again, the older that I've gotten, uh, the more, you know, you have to learn about stamina and pacing yourself and uh, technique. And so my goal has always been, I want to be as powerful of a drummer as I can, but I also want to be relaxed. And those two things, it's hard because when people say, put some energy into it, 
what's the most common thing you do? Tense up. Yeah. So the idea of putting some energy into it, but yet being relaxed. I mean, that's, it's like a Bruce Lee kind of thing. I, I know what you mean. And then I, I feel, even though it might not look like I am when I play, I'm trying to feel relaxed. You do look relaxed, though, man. You look great when you play. Awesome. Yeah, and it's kind of and just enjoying it. But yeah, when you start tensing up, that's when things go wrong and yeah. things become harder <laughs> to, Dude, to I, pull I, off. It's crazy, <laughs> man. And there's there's so many. You know, that's the other thing. Like, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but like, you know, when you're rehearsing in the same place or you have your drums in the same place, or you're practicing the same things. Like, this is going to be great, man. And then you go play somewhere, and it's not your kit. And you sit mm-hmm. down, and it doesn't sound the way you want it to sound. And it's not, you can't get the angles the way you want it to be quite right. And it's like, where did that yeah. feeling go? Now I don't feel comfortable again. So I always like to try to, you know, how can we, no matter what uh, situation you're put in front of, no matter how you, you know, no matter what kit it is, no matter what drumsticks you have to use, no matter what um, pedals you use, you know, it's that same kind of confidence when you sit down, no yeah. matter what. You've got to, you've got to at least try. And I'm certainly in those situations. Well, that, that Hellfest gig, none of that was my own equipment. Oh, really? I, I, I can't remember what it was, but, um, yeah, cause that, we do a lot of, cause we're in the UK, we fly out to Europe for the weekend and come back home yeah. cause it's not really much stuff going on in the week. So I'm usually using rented gear. I put preferences down, obviously, but they very rarely come up with the goods. I take, I take sticks and I take my pedals. Yeah. Good. I don't take anything else. Yeah. Um, I, I sometimes take measurements for what my drum stool should be and my hi-hat and my snare. But sometimes I, I don't have time to – it depends on the situation. I don't, yeah. also, I don't always have time to kind of work that out. I don't, you, you know what's funny is that I, I get into – I get like super, super uh, like obsessive compulsive with drum angles and stuff, especially when we get on the road because – you know, we're, we're at our instruments all day. And there's a lot of times we're, we're waiting, you know, Steve will be working on something and we'll be waiting and I'll be at my drums. And I'm always like, well, I wonder if the cymbal was down an inch, would that make a difference? If the snare drum was angled a little bit more like that, would that, maybe that would make it a little easier to do this. And I'm constantly doing that. And I'm thinking to myself at some point, just try to keep it where it is and don't keep (laughs) messing with it. But, you know, as drummers and as people that, that, you know, we're, we're putting out so much energy and we, we want to be as efficient as we possibly, you know, as, as we possibly can. So anything yeah. that's going to, any angle of, of how your drum is or where it's placed can, can make such a difference in just feeling comfortable. So I, I'm kind of always on the search for that. Just like with drumsticks, man, I'm, I'm, I'm very analytical about, I'm, I'm making a switch right now to, to the style of sticks that I've been using to, you know, a different shape and everything like that just because uh-huh. um, I'm trying to, you know, cause for, I'll give you an example. So most of my career in my left hand, my stick has had no tip. Yeah. I, I, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. That's really yeah. interesting. So uh, the way I got into that was this is kind of another thing I think about because uh I don't know if, if if I was if I was a drummer, younger drummer today, if I would have made that decision because growing up playing in clubs, you don't get in ear monitors. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have uh, 
you don't have all the, the, the things that, you know, I see that what young kids get now right out of the box, you know, that you can, you can get up, you can practice with this full linear monitor system. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a lot, e- a lot and, easier these days. Yeah. Oh, it's just like, you don't have to fight to get a sound. And when I was growing up, you know, for me, I always wanted that snare drum. I always loved like the way Tommy Lee played. Cause it was just like this powerful snare drum. And that was always really important for me. And, um, you know, before Steve, you know, Steve does in-ears now, but before he did, before we all did in-ears, he was like, the band was so loud on stage, dude. It was so loud. (laughs) I mean, incredibly loud. And uh, after a while, once we all went to in-ears and everything got quieter, you realize, wait a minute, some of this energy that I'm putting in is actually not doing any good. All it's doing is I'm breaking more cymbals, um, breaking more sticks, uh, having more injuries because I'm just, I'm full on. And it's just like, but, but in your mind you think, okay, but we're going to play this show. It's like when you play Hellfest, I got to keep it all in. I got to, it's got to, got to be all. Yeah. But if you're not relaxed and it's not, you're not giving it your all. So it's fine. It's, it's kind of finding that, uh, that balance in that. So I'm, I'm trying to um, be able to play with that power, but also to be able to have the dynamics. Cause like when Steve's music, we have songs that are kind of fusion. We have some songs. that's like bluesy. We have ballads. We have all that kind of stuff. And yeah, lots of ballads. for me as a drummer, man, I, I have always been uh, really grateful for the gig that I have with him because when I think about it, I get to go out every night. I get to do double bass. I get to do cool like rock beats. I get to do odd meter. I get to do a drum solo. I get to uh, be showcased. Yeah. You know, like as a musician and as someone that's really put time into their instrument, it's it's a, it's an amazing gig. I mean, I really feel that way. Um, you know, there's other gigs that <laughs> pay more <laughs> that are higher profile <laughs> gigs, and obviously those are great too. But I'm just, if anything, uh, just because of how much I put into this instrument when I was a, when I was younger growing up and how much I was obsessed over it and how much I worked for it, to be able to be in a position now to uh, play with people that I looked up to when I was a little kid. I mean, it's a, it, it really is a dream come true. Yeah, that's really nice to hear you say. And I, 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 completely, I don't blame you at all. It's an amazing gig to have. and. Maybe I've got a special place in my heart for for Steve Vai because I've been listening to him since I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think he's he's got one of those followings that people have spent their lives listening to him, and I'm sure people new people are still discovering him. Yeah, um, the quality well, is still consistent. Yeah, and I tell you something: there's more. There's a lot more to him than just the guitar. You know, he is is uh, he's. He has uh, taught me a lot about not just music, but just, you know, things in life in general. And he's, he's uh, really helped me in a lot of ways. And, and hmm. um, I value our friendship and I value, you know, that's the other thing I like about touring and meeting musicians, like meeting you and talking to you. I, I value conversations about music and life. And um, because 
interaction is, is to me like one of the biggest purposes of, that we're, it's one of the biggest meanings of our lives is, is, is interaction and talking and communication, yeah, whether yeah. we do it on stage, whether we're doing it, you know, when I saw you walking and I said, dude, you were awesome drummer, you know, and we just started talking and you yeah, were super it, cool. Yeah. I know, and it was amazing. It was amazing. It made me feel really nice. I'm not used to kind of people doing that, I guess. Maybe us oh, as a dude. band, we're maybe not so outgoing when it comes to those situations because we, we're, we're like, well, we don't know people. If there's people that know my dad, maybe then yeah. you know, we'll chat. But I'm not used to people kind of giving us compliments. So thank oh, you. Well, dude, I, I, yeah, I didn't even know that he was your dad and I just saw you playing. I'm like, you fucking all, you know, and, and um, you know, the way you play, man, you have an attitude and you were uh, – you had the authority, and you you have you got the tone. Uh, the, the drums sounded great when you played. You had great tone. Oh, you got thanks. a nice rim shot on the snare. Like, um, I just it was great. It, that seeing that got me pumped up to play oh, because nice. I remember you guys played before us. Yeah, and it was a few hours before. I was watching us like this, and it, it just got me excited because you know, a lot of the times with festivals and with even touring, you don't go out and see, you don't watch bands before you unless you're touring with a band or, or something like that. You know, when we tour, it's usually just us. Yeah. So I love festivals because it's a chance to go see uh, other bands play and get excited because I'm a music fan, man. I love yeah. I love stuff. I love watching stuff. That's what makes me want to play is seeing other people play. So when you guys played, it was just – and it, the fact that it is that motorhead, punk aesthetic kind of thing uh, – yeah, that's what kind of drives me, especially playing big festivals. You want to have that kind of mentality. So. I'm glad you thought that, and that's that's what we yeah. try and do. And you know, and we just do our thing, and hopefully we can keep doing it as long as we dude. can. Oh yeah, you will be it's awesome. <laughs> really cool, dude. Yeah, cheers. Thanks so much. Um, I was going to ask about your well, your drum kit and your, your kind of endorsements that you have because you've got. Yeah. Considering you play the music that you play, your your kit is actually quite small. Compared to, mm-hmm. I guess most other drummers who play shows like that. So um, yeah. obviously it's a yeah. Tama you, Tama you're using, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, Tama has always been you know, since I was a kid. I think I'm trying to remember who the first drummer that I saw that made me want to get to, that like Tama. It was either Randy Castillo uh, with Ozzy, yeah, yeah, uh, or it was Lars. Um, but there was a lot of drummers when I was growing up, you know, the big drum names, you know, it was Ludwig, it was Tama, there was Pearl. DW at that point wasn't even, I'm not sure if it was out yet. But for some reason, Tama was just something I just loved. And so it was the company ever since I was a kid that I just loved Tama. So when I got this, when I got the, uh, the gig with Vi, Obviously, Vibe is plays Ibanez guitars, and that's company is Hoshino, and they own Tama. Ah, so Ibanez right, and Tama man. are the same. So, mm. needless to say, uh, I was able to get a Tama endorsement. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. <too> much, thankfully, <laughs> because my boss, you know, uh, has helped you know that company. But I mean, that's always what I wanted. I didn't. It wasn't like I wanted to try to find what I can get or what drum company I just I, I wanted Tama I always wanted Tama and that's what I was going to go for yeah so um, 
I have stuck with them ever since. And, and, you know, uh, the last kit that I got, the newest kit that I have is they, they do kits with different woods, like the Babinga birch. Um, the one I have now is I think it's a birch, there's birch mahogany, you know, there's maple, there's all the different woods and stuff. And again, as I'm sure you are, I'm not like overly like, wait, wait a minute, I hear a little overtone, let's turn that up again. You know, it's more like, okay, is it, is it, is it ready to go? And you know how it is. Like it's, it's, you know, doesn't ring. sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's so many amazing drum companies out these days. So many amazing drums made. They all, they're all going to sound great. I just yeah. personally like Tama. It's just a, mm. it's, there's something about it and it's a nostalgic thing. And then, um, they make drumsticks too. And so they, they started making, uh, sticks for me. And so for a while I had been making my left hand stick with no tip. Um, but it has been in the last year that I have been, I have had to kind of relook at that because, um, the stick is so heavy. It's, it's like, and these sticks are, these sticks are thicker than two D's. Like, so I'm like holding these tree trunks and it's yeah, starting to get to that point where it's like, it works for some things, but like, I know this set that we're doing now, we have a lot more dynamic, intricate parts. And, um, you know, for a long time, I felt like I was kind of like a construction worker playing drums. I was just kind of like hammering <laughs> away. You know what I mean? And I like that because that's, yeah. I like that's part of drumming. It's the physical movement. But, um, I don't know this in this last year, Dan, I'm just like, I, I'm starting to like hear dynamics and, uh, um, feels of, of just, just, I don't know. There's like, I, I, there's a, a change in my playing and the way that I see drums. And I, and I, I look at it like a lot of my favorite guys when they were this age did the same thing. I look at Neil Peart, Steve Smith, a lot of these guys at some point you say to yourself, okay, if I want to, you know, how do I continue doing this to stay inspired and still push myself at 45 years old? I mean, I'm not, um, what am I going to practice? Like, what do I want to, what do I want to do? And so now my mindset is like, I've, you know, I've gotten into different styles of music and just wanting to take all these elements and, and try to create something unique in my playing, you know? And and also, like, the older I get and the more I see young drummers playing on YouTube, the more I'm just like, okay, well, I'm not going to physically try to compete. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm. it all comes down to what, what's going to make, what can make me unique and what... Uh, what's musical, what's creative, you know? So it's, yeah. it's a challenge. And some days, you know, as you know, we sit down and we play and everything feels like we're firing on all the cylinders. Some days we sit down and play and I just feel like I'm treading water the whole time. Hmm. I've had days when I'm like, I doubt my ability. So like, can I even still play? You like, sit down and you go, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm a drummer? Are you doing this? It's crazy. crazy. Especially with yeah. my feet, man. My that, The problem is with my feet, I think. I've never really... Knuckle it, down and let me and, tell you something about the feet because I always tell this. I always talk to like because I have a uh, you know when I have drum students coming in, you know when they would when I would start teaching them certain foot techniques or when they would get a double pedal and they would get so frustrated by things because I and I would always say you know my hands are almost always I always get a pretty consistent uh, 
feel and, and speed with my hands. So with the feet, like, there are days, like, feet, I don't know, I don't know if it's because of the, there's more muscles and the calves and the feet and everything that's involved with it, but there's very rare that my, my feet are not always consistent. I, it really takes, I don't know what it is. Sometimes I sit down and I try to, the first song that we play has this crazy 16th note double bass thing in it. And dude, some nights we would play and I'm just like, dude, I, I was so tense. I'm like, please, when, when is this going to be over? When is this going to be over? And uh, I don't know, feet, it's, feet are different. We do so many things with our hands, you know, picking things up and all we really do with our feet, we're walking. So when we have to do something where we're doing more intricacies with something, 16th notes and, and um, like particular hits, uh, I don't know. I guess it's harder for the brain, you know, to, to match with the foot than it is yeah, with I the guess brain so. and the hands. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, because your hands always you're doing a variety of different tasks, I suppose. So, yeah, I, I, get, but, I know what you But mean. you know what, man? There's some drummers <laughs> like that just sit down and no matter what, like some of my favorite, I think about my favorite drummers, like Dean Castronovo oh, with yeah. Journey. Just always was one of my heroes. And just he's one of those guys that sit down. He doesn't have to practice. He doesn't have to do anything. He just sits down and he just shreds. I mean, there's guys like that who just like, you know, there's the Vinnie Calutas that, that anything is, it's just flawless. Yeah, yeah. And uh, instead of, I used to watch, see that and get frustrated because I wanted to try to get into that. But now it's just, you know, it's not so much about comparing as it is to watching and appreciating. And that's what I like yeah. to do now with, with everything with music, is just watch and appreciate and get inspired as opposed to like, oh, he can do that. Well, I'm gonna, put, I'm gonna try to go. You know. No, I think it's, it's pointless these days. I think you've got to just realize you're your own person. Find your own voice. Take inspiration from these people. Maybe a little thing here and there. But yeah. it's, it's no point really trying to copy or do things like that person because they already do it. Yeah. You know I mean? And I and I think you know I think there's room enough for everybody in the music. I think there's there's room enough for everybody. Yeah. And uh, I think that when people get, uh, you know, when they badmouth other musicians or they try to think this or then, you know, all of that is just, you know, it comes down to everybody worried about losing a gig or not. You know, everybody wants to be able to do this because it's fun at the end yes. of the day. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> shit that's hard, you know, but at the end of the day, going in and play is fun. So anything that's fun <laughs> that you get paid for that you love doing, uh, the thought of uh, that being taken away, you know, it, it will, it can make people freak out. Like, I don't want this guy to get my gig. I don't want this guy. Yeah. But the way I'm looking at it now is that, like, you know what? Um, there's room for everybody. And uh, a lot of the times it's not about the playing. It's also about the personalities and how you yeah. get along with people. I think that's, if not more important, Absolutely. definitely an equal, yeah, probably more. Yeah. I know. You know mean. that. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been in the situation where I guess I'm doing a lot of, well, hardly, hardly any kind of um, stuff that you do when I'm playing with other people. I've, I've done little depths for other people here and there. And I, I do some recording stuff, which is nice that they ask me, but um, yeah, yeah. I've never really done an audition for, 
to join a band or anything or, or, or to, to get on a particular tour. So I don't know what that's like, but um, I appreciate the people that do that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's just like everything else. You know, everybody, uh, there's a, there's a competitive side to it. And uh, I, I'm lucky because I never had to, uh, I never had to, and this is going to sound, I know this kind of sounds, um, uh, I don't know if it sounds arrogant or whatever, but I never had to try for, for, uh, I mean, I had to try to work really hard, but like as far as the opportunities being presented to me, uh, they were, you know, they, they, they were just there. Yeah. And, uh, it helps being where you are in the world, perhaps to some small degree. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of people that live in that kind of area. I definitely think so. I, I think, yeah. I think it's a combination. Uh, I think there's a combination of a lot of things, you know, I think, um, you know, there's, uh, are you easy to get along with? Can yes. you, you know, can you play under pressure? Um, yep. can you play musically? Um, do you look cool? I mean, are you, you know, like, we have to be honest here. There's, a, there's things, yeah. there's all that stuff, you know? Like yeah, yeah, it is a thing. All those things come into play. And so, um, are you reliable? Me, are you reliable? Yeah. And I've, yeah. dude, I've, I've fucked up a lot of things. I've had, I had a dark history with, with, with some things, man. And I've, I've burned some bridges, but none bad enough to ever, you know, say, hey, you know what? He was going through something and he's got his shit together now. Like, I mean, this is, that's what's, like there's a lot of pressure in that sense, but that's, you know, that's, that's how it goes. You have to, um, you have to be willing to be in any situation and be a professional. Yep. I think that's really, you know, and and when you do, and if you do, you know, have your issues or you make space, it's, it's how you pick yourself back up, you know, because we all know, we all know people, you know, it's just a, that's the other thing about the music business is that it's a, um, it's a business where people, musicians in particular, can go down different paths and it can, it can be a ways of, of self-medicating yourself, especially, you know, touring, mm. um, you're in a mindset and then you get home. And then you're not touring guy anymore. Now you're okay, real life guy. And now families you know, and stuff. Yeah. Now you have to have <laughs> now you have real these responsibilities that you have to do. And that has always been a challenge for me. It's it's um the life that I have on tour and then the life I have when I'm home, um it's always been a struggle because playing music is such a rush. It's like it's like doing something every night where you're just uh, feeding off this intense energy. And then you're coming home to this kind of environment where there's not all these people going, ah, and you have to like navigate that. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's been a challenge for me, but um, I think that's why I, I have some, why I do so many different like activities, like cardiovascular things. And I, I have to like, I have to like push myself mentally and physically. I don't know. It, that's just how I am. 
I think that's really, I think that's a really good thing to do though, because otherwise you could just sit on your ass all day and, and get fat or, you know, yeah. well, you know, I know lots of musicians, you know, like I, I'm a bit guilty of that sometimes. I do this no, podcast I, and, and other things and I, I'm not as active as I, maybe I was a few years back. Um, well, yeah. everybody, I think everybody is, um, everybody has a certain, uh, way that their their mind and their body functions which is which suits them and yeah. for me uh doing like gnarly mountain bike rides and doing yoga in 107 degree weather and like just doing things that are just like why would you want to do that to yourself because <laughs> of the way you feel afterwards afterwards yeah yeah you feel good it's like, just, for me it's more it's the motivation to get up and go to that place or do that. i know I know. Once I do it, I love it, and I feel amazing afterwards. So yeah, I need. To, yeah, so, I need to... yeah, that's the mo the motivation part. That's that's hard for everybody, but um, yeah. And, and I also, I also, well, I also look at it, Dan, like this. Um, as I get older, playing drums physically is a lot more is more challenging. Yeah. In some ways, I'm in better shape now than I was when I was in my 20s and 30s because um, I know more things about my body now. I know about uh, techniques about stretching and, and, and uh, strength training techniques and stuff. Um, so in some ways now I feel uh, more in shape, but what I do now is I do activities outside of drumming that are going to be, that I push myself way harder than I would with drums. So it's almost like that thing of like, well, if I can climb 7,000 feet on my bike, up this mountain, uh, then I can play the two-hour show. Yeah, yeah. I know, like, you, like, I, like, I know what you mean. I, I I don't do that to that extreme, but sometimes if I know I've got a big tour coming up, I'll kind of do more running. So when it comes to doing the show, it doesn't feel as physically difficult. Exactly. And, you know, and the cardio fitness is up but a little bit. And yeah. I don't run marathons and stuff. I do like shorter no, runs, but... but but dude, just getting on and just just getting the blood flowing, yeah, like it's amazing how much that helped me. Um, it really does. Yeah, you know, and you you don't you don't you don't think about those things. And, and uh, again, the older I get, the more I realize the preparation, you know, beforehand before I play, uh, mm. and how I take care of myself is you know it's just that much more important now. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I think we're all feeling it. I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you, but I've been feeling it the last five, six years. Yeah. Definitely, little injuries and. Dan, have you ever tried? You ever tried? Have. You ever tried practice? One of the things that I used to do all the time uh, was I would go into my I had a little my where my drums used to be. I had this little room, and I would turn the heater on, full blast. So you would walk in there, and it would be like a sauna, wow. and then I would play the set list with That's my headphones. Idea in the heat um because again these are you know it's finding things like this that are going to help you be a, a better performer live because you can practice all you want on your own drum kit in a studio with not your microphones with perfectly tuned heads with perfectly everything you know like you can do all that but like can you be in another situation and uh have to be able to uh kind of do whatever comes your way yeah that's really good i think that's a good point and a lot of us 
Well, the place I rehearse with my band, we, we've even got Aircon now, and Aircon is very rare in the UK. So we've got that luxury of trying to stay cool. But then we play a set in a little club, and it's just a sweaty, yeah. hot mess. So, yeah, that's a good point, actually. I might and I tell you something, man. That's another thing. Um, another thing that, that has been important to me in my development as a drummer is um, – when we practice and when we rehearse, you use muscles and you use, um, you use certain things. When you play live, you know, I've found that I'm using muscles that I don't use when I'm rehearsing. Because when the adrenaline kicks in, your body is going to start, you know, you, you want that. It's, it's pushing. Like, I got to be able to do this. So yeah. sometimes you end up pushing you know, a little too hard. And that's why you're tense because you're nervous and you're thinking, wow, now I'm, it's like when you play, I can think about this sometimes because I use a click track. There's some songs that if I went out and I was jet lagged and I would just have to count them off the top of my head. There's some nights I'm sure I would count those songs like five or six BPMs off in some, some way from what the original yeah. tempo is. Um, because your body goes through these things and, and you're in different time zones, lack of sleep, all these things. So again, like we were saying earlier, it's one thing to be in your own practice room with your own stuff playing and feeling comfortable. It's another thing to go into a different environment, to play not on your own kit, to play when it's a hundred degrees out, to understand that like when my hands start sweating, it's going to be different. That, like how I hold the sticks is going to be different. That's yeah, why yeah. on this last tour, I used to use the grip tape. Right. The gauze grip tape. And it was tearing up my hands. So I did that with the Gorilla Smock. Like that oh, yeah. tree sap stuff. I yeah, was, I know the stuff. But it was killing my hands, dude. It was just like my hands were, it was, it would hurt. I mean, the sticks would stay on my hands, but <laughs> it was just. So what I tried doing the last tour, we got a, a sander. We just took the 60 grit sandpaper and we started sanding uh -huh. down the sticks. And if your hands are like, dry and I pick up the stick it's like I don't feel any grip but the minute my hands sweat and I hold the stick it's like it absorbs it perfectly it's like oh my gosh and it's not killing um my hands the way the gauze grip, grip stuff was yeah I'll have to try that because um I, I've only recently started using the grip tape and I never used it before only because yeah. you know I, I'm pretty good I don't drop many sticks and stuff like that, but um, I thought I'd try it. Some some gigs were particularly sweaty in, in the summer in Europe. Yeah, of course. You played dude, last, two, last summer was yeah. gnarly, dude. Yeah, it was really hard, and I think that made me start thinking about it. So I, I did that, and I like it. But then Rob Reiner from Anvil does something similar to you, where he, he files off with I don't know. Yes. You, he, he sent me a video of himself using like a, a pen knife, and he was just filing off a, some of the wood from the the hand, like the the bases of the stick so i, I, I know exactly what you're talking Vinnie paul did that too. <laughs> all right there you go a lot of yeah. people have been doing this i never experienced it until he, until rob sent me that video and i was like makes total sense <laughs> yeah i mean it, again uh i'm always that those are the things Dan, that i will like obsess about and try different things like i've tried uh the grip tape i've also tried you know sometimes i do the um they have stick wax like you yeah, know yeah. surfboard wax Sex um, wax, is it? Yeah. That's what Eric Singer, uh, Kiss, he he does that on his sticks. Just put the wax on there, and that feels great too. 
But the problem mm. that I found with that is that when my hands start to sweat a lot, then it gets slippery. Mm. So, but I'm always, I'm always trying to find stuff that's, that's going to make mm. me more proficient and, and make things easier so I can uh, play as best I can. Yeah, that's all, that's all you want. we're all trying mm. to do that. That's what we're all trying to do is, is, get, is kind of get to that next stage up of efficiency and, and proficiency. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, just, just before we get to the, the end here, then, I've got, a, I've got one question from yeah. one of the guys from my Patreon page. One of the perks is that they get to ask my guests a question. We, oh, kind, cool. of, we kind of touched on this one earlier. This is a question from Pietro. Um, playing for such virtuoso guitar players, do you feel like there's more pressure to be on the virtuoso side of drumming, or does that make you more relaxed to focus on a solid bass for the showman in front of you? Good question. Uh, it may it, it makes me more relaxed to be uh, to it makes me more relaxed to be able to uh, give the band leader uh, that foundation that ground. To be able to um, play what he's written, and also be able to have people that aren't musicians, yeah. also in the audience, be able to like go, "Oh, this is nice." Yeah, you know, I don't want it to. You don't want it to sound like the Nam show. You know, when you go to the Nam show and you see all these jazz guys and they're all. Yeah. It's all just like crazy, like uh, abstract, which is cool, but. Um, you know, there's, if you come to a, a Vi concert or when I was playing with Marty Friedman, it's the same way. Those guys wanted me to be, uh, they liked that I had the punk aesthetic. They liked that I was more about like, to me, I get more off on that than seeing a guy, you know, doing all the crazy chops all over the place. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I think I've kept gigs that I've kept because that was always more important to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think in, in some ways it's, um, it's, it's less pressure because I'm, I'm confident in being able to lay down a, a solid groove and foundation for someone else. And so I, I like that. So I guess sure. that answers the question. Yeah. I, th I thought if that's how you were going to, kind of yeah. lead lead that one but yeah that's awesome man um and then just before we end then uh i think what's the best tip you can give a drummer or any, anything we haven't already mentioned um i think you know the best tip i can say for anybody is just uh authentically be yourself on your instrument you know and, and we all have to go uh we all have to find our way to get there. You know, I, I have, I'm one of those people that when I was growing up, I, I idolized my heroes and I wanted to be them. But there comes a time uh, if you want to make, this is a career and you want to be your own person that you have to like, uh, you have to find what makes you your unique self. What, what's going to set you apart? And I always say, like, I, okay, I joined the band. The drummer before me was Virgil Donati. So what am I going to try to do? I'm, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to be the exact opposite of him. 
And when I joined you, there were people like, why is this guy in here? Fuck Blink-182 kid. Why is blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, whatever. I don't care. You know, because I had that mentality. I was just like, you know, because that's also a driving thing. It's like that. That's why I like punk rock. There's rebellions. Like, Fuck you, man. You know, we're, I'm going to just do this. And when you can have that and you can somehow find your unique voice on the drums and, and not unique, like it has to be innovative, like no one's ever done this, but just something that makes you you. I don't think there's any, I, I think that's, if you do that, then whatever opportunities are going to present themselves are going to be the right opportunities, I think. Yeah, that's amazing. So I'm, no, yeah. I agree with and, you totally. And any other thing, Dana, just being positive, you know how it is, just being a, a good person, and being able to get along with people, and, you know. Don't be an asshole, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, and then the final question, which is what everyone gets on this podcast, is if you could create your own dream band with yourself on drums, but you, you weren't allowed to have musicians you've already played with, who would you get playing the other, music, uh, the other instruments? And they can okay. be dead or alive. Dead okay. or alive. Okay. Bass, Timmy C from Rage Against Machine. Oh, yes. Um, guitar. I don't know, maybe like Dimebag or something. Yeah, yeah. That would be cool. Um, and uh, singing. That's a tough question. I would say if I could have any singer. No, it would be instrumental band. Me, me Tennessee, yeah. and uh, Dimebag. It would be a uh, riff trio. And it would be like, <laughs> you know, like just groove, rad, heavy. That sounds amazing. That's a cool one. No, great. That's, um, well, just thank you for doing this. I've really enjoyed yeah, this. We could, probably, we could probably go on another hour, but I'm not going yeah, to do that. Yeah, I was telling somebody, I could, I could talk <laughs> shop and drums for hours. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. uh, you can totally geek out on it. So I, I, I love doing stuff like this. And, and no. sorry if I go off on tangents about things because I get so no. into drums and, and especially when I start teaching, you know, just the, there's so much to discover and there's so much that I learn every day. Uh, yeah, which is makes life worth living. Absolutely, and and that's the uh, like the main goal for this like long form podcast format is really hopefully people will take things away that they've learned from listening to you and and me, I guess. But um, yeah, that's what that's what my, that's what I hope for. But hopefully they'll enjoy it, and it can be entertaining as well for people who aren't drummers because there are a few listeners who aren't drummers as well. Which and I that's good to have. Yeah, yeah, good to have. <laughs> Well, any, yeah. any time, Dan, seriously, man. Cool. I appreciate that. If you, I, I know it's your European tour, which I do wish you luck on. You, there's no UK shows. I, I don't know if you have plans for like a separate no, UK. We, we might at some point, but I think we're just, uh, we start in Portugal and then we're going to hit the Eastern yeah. Europe places. And uh, yeah. it's, yes, it's, it's tough. It's, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're I, lucky I, that we're I, getting I, out there again. So. Yeah, I know. I, it was pretty cool when I saw the announcement the other day and I was like, that's a big old tour in some interesting yeah. countries. You'll have a, you'll have a blast. Um, it I'm won't excited. be too. It won't be as cold. It it won't be as cold then. It'll be nice. It'll be, it, be nice. Yeah, but um, hopefully you'll come to the UK again. The Brexit thing is probably part of the reason for you not yeah. coming. 
I know we'll be, it is. We'll be there. We'll be there again. <laughs> and uh, we got to hang one of these days. Yeah, I'll hit you up. Uh, if you ever come to the UK, man, I'd love to come and hang out with and you. And same with you. When you come to anytime sure. you're in LA, I'm sure you know a bunch of people, but just please reach out anytime. I will. I will. Definitely. Um, like as a band, it's not something that we, we don't really get. People tell us every week, come to the States, come to the States. But I don't know sure. if you've got enough enough call for it, you know, and it's too much of a risk and with all the costs involved at the moment. Yeah, I don't well, know if it's if it's possible, but one day. But if I ever come on vacation, man, I'll hit you up and we'll hang out. Please do, man. Yeah, amazing. Awesome. Thanks again. Thanks again, Jeremy. And best no problem, buddy. Tour. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Cheers. Dan. We'll talk soon, man. Yeah. Yeah. Bye-bye Bye bye now. Run for the song podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Drum for the Song podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please consider liking the video and subscribing if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts. If you could leave me a review or comment, that would be fantastic too as it helps other people discover this show. Please also consider sharing this with any family members or friends who might enjoy the content. You can also follow me on social media at Dane underscore drums or at drum for the song or search for Drum for the Song on Facebook to follow the page and join the official Facebook group. If you'd like to support the podcast, you could purchase some merchandise from drumforthesong.com or consider supporting me via Patreon from just £3 per month for additional exclusive content like bonus episodes, video calls with myself, competitions, discounts and much more. Any additional support is always greatly appreciated, but I would like to give extra special thanks to my top tier Groove Master patrons, whose names are listed in the description below. My name is Dane Campbell, and thanks so much for watching or listening this far. If you're a drummer, don't forget to drum for the song!